holidays. This is our last episode of season three. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, another awesome year for the Brewdeck podcast. Uh, you know, we we hit on a lot of topics that are important and that are important to your craft, and we're just kind of wrapping up the year and here, and we're we're looking forward to season four next year. But um, we have an awesome episode today. We're going to be talking about um, just 2022 crop update. I've got two great guests on. Um, and I've got a new co-host that I'd like to introduce for this one. So her name is Abby Connor. Um, she's the she's Country Malt's new product marketing manager. How's it going, Abby? Great. Thanks for having me. Um, I am very excited to be with CMG. Um, looking into product, you know, and enjoying um, getting to know everybody. Um, I come from marketing elsewhere, and I'm yeah, also you've got quite the background. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a great industry to be in, and I'm I'm really proud to wear a couple different hats here. Um, I also am a brewer at Boathouse Brothers in Prior Lake, Minnesota. I've been doing that for a couple of years now and um, just helping out with the Brewed with Heart series. It's a nonprofit that I helped to start um, that benefits families who are dealing with childhood illnesses like the one that my sister had and the owner of Boathouse Brothers, his son has as well. so yeah, I'm just really excited to um, start this new position and uh, just get the ball rolling. For sure, yeah, it's good to have a good to have another fellow brewer on as a co-host. Thank you. So, thanks for helping us out this week. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, we'll jump into our very special harvest update. Jumping into it, our our two guests today we have. Ben O'Gorman, um, he's the sales and marketing manager from Baird's Malt, um, coming to us from Edinburgh. How's it going, Ben? Yeah, all good. Live from uh, snowy Edinburgh today. It's pretty pretty cold. <laughs> right on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we've and we've also got uh, all the way from the west coast. We got Tyler um, Skulls on today. He's the commercial sales and key accounts manager for CMG. Um, he's he's jumping on from Camus, right? These days, is that right, Tyler? Camus, yeah. Good old Camus. For those of you that don't know where it is, it's right next to Portland and it's raining here. It's raining quite a bit here. Snow and rain. Good day to record a podcast. <laughs> so yeah. b- before we get started, um, before we jump into kind of the difference between the crop in the UK and the crop in North America in 2022, Ben, Tyler, I kind of want to hear from each of you, what's kind of the difference between UK and, and North American malt and, and um you know, malting barley from both those places. Yeah, well, I think we probably kind of touched on it at the start. I think um, probably one of the main things I think is, you know, is the weather. Um, I think, you know, as, um, as you know, bad as the, the kind of the weather is over here, particularly in Scotland, um, <laughs> you know, it's actually a great climate for, for growing kind of malting barley. And um, if you look at the kind of where it's all grown in the UK, it's all grown down that kind of eastern seaboard of the UK. And if you look at the footprint of beds, uh, we've got three maltings in Scotland and, and one down in England. And they're all, again, along that kind of eastern seaboard because that's where where all of uh, the malting barley's grown. But I don't know what it's like for, uh, for Tyler and you guys in North America, but... You know, typically um, the the moistures at, at, at harvest are, are, are really high, so uh, the the farmers just really want their their barley shifted pretty pretty quickly. I think it, the only kind of exception to that was was probably th- this year. 
Um, so, you know, this was one of the, like the driest harvests um, that we've that we've had. And certainly in the time I've been working for beds, I've been just um, got to 10 years service for beds. So, uh, so yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, in the, in the time that I've been doing it, yeah, it's definitely one of the driest ones we've, we've seen, but I'm sure Tyler can tell you how, uh, what it's like in North America. Sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of say the same thing. And it's not necessarily a good thing that the harvest was as dry as it was in North America. Uh, we seem to be, um, you know, teetering on drought quite consistently these days. But uh, yeah, Ben touched on it. Uh, our growing season um is uh is one that that varies with the weather um it is a little bit warmer here than it is in the uk we get a little bit less precipitation than in the uk so in general the crop here tends to carry with it on average a slightly higher protein content um and uh that's just because weather drives that that protein to form in in Canada and the U.S. versus the U.K. So I'd say that's the biggest difference. And Ben smacked it right on the head there, uh, just identifying weather as the key parameter that changes the crop from North America to the UK. Awesome. Well, it's good to have, you know, two two experts here that have seen, you know, many barley harvests and, and kind of the point of this episode, the, the whole reason for it was we just wanted to talk about how the 2022 barley harvest has gone in, in different regions and kind of give brewers a, an, an overview, um, like year over year sort of thing. <clears throat> As we all know, the 2021 crop in, in North America, so um, across the U.S. and, and Canada, um, was was kind of challenged. And, um, you know, it kind of seems like from what I'm hearing, um, the parts of Europe had had some struggles this year as well. Um, ben, can you can you speak about uh, just some of the barley um, kind of uh, details this year, like the, the plumps, the protein, that sort of thing in, in the U.K.? Yeah, yeah. So that overall, I think the UK harvest progress in 2022 was was earlier um, than in at any any of the previous um, five years. So so England this year was dry, kind of April May, um, coupled with kind of high peak temperatures, 30 35 degrees. Um, so you know it was, it was really hot. And um, this year, uh, compared to kind of previous years, so crops advance well uh, with you know precipitation kind of present at key times over that kind of you know June July, which is really the kind of grain fill periods. Um, and then winter barley harvesting um, was complete by by July, um, and spring barley harvest was um, complete over August. So. Um, kind of slightly, you know, slightly earlier than than Scotland was dry in April, um, early June, but kind of lower peak temperatures. It was like 20, 25 degrees from um, from memory, and and that just meant that the crops progressed slower on the growth cycle. So Scotland kind of experienced a dry period um, from early August to, to, to September. Um, but, you know, really what that kind of what that meant was that we had low nitrogen crops and good agronomic um, agronomic yields. But, you know, one, one of the biggest kind of um, things you'll see in, in, in the UK is that 65% of the malt produced is supplied to 
distillers, which I, you know, would have thought that's quite, um, quite different to, um, you know, what Tyler sees and for sure. In Scotland, good point. Yeah, and then in in Scotland, over ninety eight percent of the malt produced is is supplied to distillers. So what what that kind of uh, means for for us is that, you know, the barley varieties that are grown. Um, particularly, you know, particularly in England um, as well, it, it, it's got to be a dual purpose variety. So it's got, it's got to work for for brewers um, and for distillers. So it's got to be, you know, low protein um, and it's got to be an, an, a non-GN like that is, you know, really important for um, for distillers. And that's what has like massive, um, you know, massive impact on, on what we what the varieties that we pick to grow throughout the seasons. Great information. Thanks, Ben, for giving us that um, overview of this year of 2022. Tyler, how are things going in North America? Um, well, I could say that uh, we could, I think we could market in the win category this year um, as far as awesome. 2022 crop is concerned. We actually have a crop to choose from. Um, as everyone knows, 2021 was more than challenged. There was you know, close to 40, some regions, 50% yield reduction coming out of Canada, the US, and it was very impactful to the maltsters um, across the board um, in North America. You know, looking looking at the crop that we got in 2022, um, growing season, going into it, we were, you know, drier than normal. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the new norm, I guess, uh, drought in areas where we wouldn't have seen drought in, in the past. Uh, however, we did get some pretty timely rains um, in Canada and the U.S., and the crop progressed fairly well. Uh, I'd say it, it's a bit more variable than it was previous years um, with, you know, plums and proteins kind of all over the map in various growing regions where, and the band um, is maybe a little bit broader than it typically would be. But in general, uh, getting a crop out of the ground was a win. Um, it replenished some of the the safety stocks and buffer stocks. But I think, you know, knowing what happened in 2021, we're still going to require a bit more time to get out of this hole that we're in. Uh, from a quality perspective, you know, we we see in in Canada a range of plumps, anywhere from 50 dismal 50% plump all the way up to 95 plus percent plump protein ranges from 10 to 14% across the board so quite a bit of variability but remember that Canada has 10 million metric tons to choose from so as long as maltsters are able to select accordingly they're going to select the higher plump range 95 plus and the and the lower protein range you know 10 to 11 and a half call it um, in the U.S., um, similar story. Uh, we have, you know, a wide band of plump and protein content this year. Anything from 30% plump, absolutely dismal for malting quality, up to 97, 98% plump, protein ranging from 8 to 17%. So the 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 range is quite large in the U.S. as well, even larger than in Canada. And the interesting thing about the U.S. is maltsters are going to have to be very, very careful what they select this year because, you know, we, we only have 3.7, 3.8 million metric tons to select from in the U.S. and all of it is used for the most part. So um, we're, we're just going to have to tread lightly. Um, 
so across the board, I I think it you know it was a win. We again we we have to mark it as a win, but uh, you know the expectation that protein was going to drop considerably in the U.S. didn't happen. Um, extract similarly, it's it's going to hold fairly steady. Uh, the one thing I can say is plumps are up in the U.S. and then in Canada. As a quick recap, extracts most likely going to go up. Total proteins most likely going to go down, and sizings plumps are going to go up as well. So, in general, um, you know, weather cooperated, uh, pre-germ negligible, dawn levels negligible. So it's looking good. Right on. Yeah. So I mean, like you were saying going from 21 to 22 this year was much better but i think a a major takeaway for anyone out there listening is like overall um supply is still thin and you know that seems like the barley market's still pretty volatile um and it's going to take like another uh at least another one but likely more than that like good you know above average crop years to kind of get back to where we were uh before before everything in 21 Would, would you say that's correct yeah, I definitely say so. I mean, that that 50% yield drop hit hard and you know, import barley uh was 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 common uh for the for the 2022 brew year uh for most maltsters. So, I think it's I think it's really important to note that um this this tail is quite long um and 1 to 2 years recovery time is adequate to get us where we need to be, assuming that crop comes off effectively and, and high yielding in future years. Yeah, I, I think we've got like kind of slightly different challenges in the in the UK to, um, to what it sounds like Tyler has in so much as, you know, it's almost not the... Um, not the barley yields have been, um, been the biggest challenge, but it's actually just uh, to produce enough malt in the UK to, to meet our demand. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a small island, uh, but the, you know, we have a lot of maltings on the island, but the, the distillers uh, continue to just increase their um, their demand for malt. And, you know, the malting industry is um, trying its best to best to keep up, you know, hence why we're currently building a new maltings at the moment. And uh, and that's kind of going some way to keeping up. But um, but that's one of the biggest, uh, biggest challenges we had. So we had to go out this year and, um, get a you know an additional thing, a hundred thousand tons of of barley, um, just to kind of just to um, you know meet the demand of our new maltings that's coming on coming online. But, but that is one of the biggest challenges we have is is yeah trying to keep up with the distillers. I think that's like that's an excellent point. Um, I, I don't think that like for example, craft brewers here in the U.S. I don't think they realize that you know the U.K. Um, basically like consumes everything they make almost like is is that what would you say that's correct then like it's it's really it's really like supply wise there's not like excess really not currently no 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 not at all no so uh we did i think it was um uh 2021 uh we actually brought we've as part of kind of project angel as we kind of nicknamed it in internally that was uh, a project we embarked on just to increase our malting capacity in scotland uh so jan 21 we increased our production capacity to 22,000 uh, sorry by 22,000 uh, per annum at our, our growth facility 
And then the other kind of big project was building an entirely new um, moldings on the footprint of our existing Inverness facility. And, and that's going to increase capacity by another 57,000 ton. And, and still, you, you know, we, we've, that's um you know a lot of additional malt tonnage that we're um that we're bringing bringing on board next year but still it'll be a be a deficit um you know and it's up to us to to really kind of bridge that gap and we did you know back in 2010 um we built a new maltings in in our growth new clover plant um and 10 years on you know we're, we're building a new one so we're the only maltings in the uk to actually um you know do that kind of twice in a decade which is yeah it's pretty mad truly impressive yeah that's awesome mm. well good sounds like sounds like there'll be a little bit more to to go around once the new maltings come online but uh yeah for the time for the time being um it's it's a little tight yeah and yeah with that being said you know as as far as not not so much distilling but you know with this new crop of malt when does that change over in you know bulk and bag when are we going to start seeing the 2022 crop i geez i think uh well it's already begun um it's more than begun it's done in in north america i'd say um you know we knowing what know what what everybody knows now uh 2021 crop being as devastated as it was um we were essentially buying barley uh, in 2022 for about 15 months of coverage so you know we were we were dipping into winters as they were coming off the fields and we were anticipating uh the springs coming off in preparation to get that on the blend as soon as possible so if i had to put a date on it i'd say in canada we were transitioning end of august beginning of september uh for most maltsters um and the duration of that transition was approximately one month uh, zero to hundred percent in the U.S. We started transitioning kind of end of September and um, a month, month and a half later, we were at hundred percent new crop as well. So the duration um, was shorter. We were, we were crunched for time. We needed that barley to come off the fields. We needed it really badly. Um, we got it. It went into the blend almost immediately uh, thereafter. So the transition's done, um, and we're looking forward to this year um, as as things settle out. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's an interesting point. So, like, you, you know, maltsters or people that are buying barley, like with the Challenge Twenty One crop, they weren't going to like take any chances on on kind of being long on it or having like excess. It was very much like like Tyler was saying. It sounds like it was just as soon as you know as soon as we could wrap that up and and use the the fresh harvest that was better like that sounds like what you know great western canada malting and just north american malters in general were trying to do yeah i'd say so i mean yeah we we were in trouble um if the crop did not come off the way it came off uh, there was going to be some trouble and maltsters were going to have to outsource barley once again so uh, it's it was really key it was vital um there was a lot of uh, individuals, um, hoping nail biting. Um, yeah. Nail biting. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it. Um, there was a lot of, there were a lot of people that were scared to death that this crop wasn't going to come off. Uh, it did, uh, successfully in good yield and, and pretty good quality across the board. And we're happy that it did because we, we were in desperate need of it. 
So, you know, in years past, I've always seen like the previous crop kind of feather into the new crop, but this change this year is like pretty abrupt. And, it, you know, it's it, from what you're describing, it really is for the better. Um, I, I'm going to ask this question to both of you, but Tyler, like how, like with, uh, you know, what would you recommend um, milling wise uh, for, for brewers that are like transitioning new crop? What would you say? Well, I would say look at your COAs to start. Yeah. I think that's that's like actually read the yeah. COA. That would be really good to do. Actually um, read the COA. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, if you do that and you see the trending of the bumps going up, which it most likely will be from most maltsters, then I would open up your gaps a little bit and and not crush so finely uh, because you're going to get flour um, with a lot of the larger kernels that are coming through this year. Uh, from a from a quality perspective, kind of a mixed bag. I think uh, Canada, you know, you're probably going to see a slight dip in protein, like I said, a slight uptick in extract. Uh, the U.S. will probably be pretty similar uh, to the previous year, uh, aside from plumps. I think plumps are they're on the up. Um, so again, mill gap settings are very, very important. But follow that COA, guys. I, I can't stress it yeah. enough. Read the, uh, read the blue. Read. Yeah. <laughs> read the fine print of the COA and and trend the parameters that mean the most to you at your brewery. And nobody could tell you what those are, whether they're beta-glucan, friability, protein content, uh, alpha amylase, DP, whatever they are that affect your brewery the most, you should be tracking and trending those and adjusting your process accordingly. For sure, yeah. yeah. I, I guess it's like kind of counterintuitive, but... Um... You know, you, you you do need to back. It's like with higher plumps, right, and lower pro, um, you need to back off your mill a little bit, or you're going to cause channeling in your in your lauder ton and not get the most from it that that you would. I know, like a lot of brewers are like, how, you know, how could grinding how could grinding finer like decrease my extract? But it's because you're going to cause channeling. Um, so, yeah, pay attention to your yeah. seed and and uh, do some sieve tests. Couldn't agree more with that. I think the um, yeah the amount of breweries have been into before. You know when you have that kind of new crop change and um, yeah people don't spend the time just to you know look at the look at the COA and adjust the the, the mill setting accordingly. Um, so yeah, couldn't agree more, Tyler. What been like year over year? You know the the great thing about like UK barley versus North America is how like consistent it is. Or at least well, generally, like, what, what would you say? Um, you well, know, I feel sorry for Tyler. Like, listen to, to all that. <laughs> yeah. I think Tyler, we, we need to get you back to to the UK. Yeah, I, I think um, you know, kind of jokes aside, we, I think we've you know listened to to Tyler. We ha we have had a you know an easier easier time of it. I think. Um, one of the the biggest kind of challenges we've had in the UK is is just the economic um, gotcha uh, economic challenges at the moment and, and particularly how that's impacted um, energy cost of energy um, and the, so the cost of producing a ton of malt I think trying to deal with that. Um, as a business, you know, as quickly as it was changing throughout uh, throughout this year, it was just um, absolutely mad, and and that's had a massive impact on on pricing for for next year. So, you know, in some ways, the fact that we had as um, as easy a time with the with the malt as we did, you know, harvest was a bit earlier, but you know, we could deal with that. That's not a problem. Um, 
it, yeah, so we were, we were okay with that, and, and the qualities, um, you know, comparable to to previous crop years. So that's okay. But yeah, it was it was really the just the that ever changing kind of economic kind of scene in the background that was probably giving everyone the the, the biggest headache. I think for sure. Yeah. yeah, you can't forget the elephant in the room, right? Um, the elephant in the room is uh, the global markets were pretty heavily impacted by the war in Ukraine as well. So yeah. um, taking that into consideration and everything going on in the the uh, the barley growing world, um, it, it was a very very uh, yeah, it was a roller coaster ride to say the least, and it continues to be. The markets are extremely volatile still. Um, and and we're not expecting that to go away anytime soon. Definitely a no. challenge for sure. <clears throat> um, kind of pivoting a little bit, but uh, Ben, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with peated malt right now? Yeah, peated. Uh, so I've actually just got back from uh, Isla, believe it or not. Uh, so you know, for those of you guys who don't know, um, that's a little little island off the, the west coast of Scotland, and it's got the highest concentration of of distilleries, I think it is in in Europe. So I think there might even be up to I might be making this up, and it might be up to twelve distilleries. I know there's um, some more. Yeah. So oh. yeah. So they had um, as. The weather there, they had a particularly wet season, so extracting peat over there was was a challenge, and and also like the other kind of a flip side to um, to peated as well was you know it's kind of tracking in the same way that the the distilling market is that you know everyone's demand is just ramping up and uh, and as maltsters you know we we just need to, we're kind of struggling to to keep up with that demand, so I think the kind of message there is that it's it's going to be. Uh, but it particularly particularly difficult, I think, in um, going forwards with just the um, that there's not enough peat peated malt to go around to to meet that demand. It's such a like a niche ingredient that only comes from you know one little pocket of the world, um, really. So it's it, there's just it just sounds like with demand growing, there's it, there's just not enough supply to go around lately. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, ch- chatting to some uh, distillers, I think that uh, they just see the uh, demand for their peated whiskey just it just continues to grow. Um, so, and and as a maltster, trying to uh, pivot and re- react to that is uh, can be you know can be quite challenging sometimes, especially you know particularly with with peated malt. So, uh, we're trying our best, but yeah, I think that the message to your customers is um, certainly for twenty twenty three. It, it's um yeah it's yeah. Um, forecast yeah, for and secure your peated malt like now mm-hmm. yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> speaking of distilling malts um tyler i hear that great western introduced two new distillers malts this year yeah they've been in the mix for a little while now um we there's been a lot of talk on this podcast about distilling and and most of it has been centered around the uk um, and the growing market there and the demand but we're seeing a lot of the same in north america um distilling has picked up quite a bit and uh we're about to receive a new category um if all goes well within uh the u.s here very shortly um, american uh single malt whiskey um, with the TTB, and I, I expect that to just uh, create create a lot of um, great opportunities for the distillers here in, in North America in general. So um, 
distilling's up and coming. Um, it's already there, but it's it's continuing to grow. And uh, Great Western was able to secure some uh, low GN barley, similar to what is produced in the UK, and make some great, great pot still malt out of it. And uh, of course, we have our, our high enzymatic kind of uh, you know, malt as well to break down any adjuncts that are used in um, bourbon uh, distilling distilling outside of uh, all malt single whiskey um so it's it's looking great um and those products are are just are, are great uh they're they're excellent uh for the for the distilling industry as a whole and canada the same thing we do have some great products out of canada as well uh so it's picking up um uh, maltsters are aware and they're um they're they're in creation mode, R and D mode, uh, to capture that and support the distilling market in North America for sure. Yeah, we've we've been we've been hearing that again and again. Like just last week, one of our um, guests on uh, for our brew for our brewing like brew distillery episode, right? Um, he was he was um, talking heavy about American single malt and it kind of being like a new frontier for for craft um, craft spirit makers here in the U.S. Yeah, for sure. And some of the um, the the guidelines, the guardrails for that category are a little bit broader um, than that of um, UK Scottish um, whiskey, uh, Scotch. So it it creates the opportunity for um, brew dist- brew distilleries or brew distilleries or distilleries to really flex their creative muscles. Um, and create something really, really unique for the consumer in, in North America and the rest of the world when it starts getting distributed. So everyone's really excited. Um, this is a long time coming, and uh, the market's going to see um, the creative genius of North America um, from a whiskey standpoint very, very soon. Um, speak, speaking of Canada Malting's new products, um, we've talked about it a little on the show uh, before Tyler, but while I've got you here, can I get you to to touch on like Euro pills and kind of where you see that going for for 2023? The you know the under modified uh, pills malt that Canada Malting released. Yeah, uh, Euro pills is is near and dear to me specifically. Um, it's it's a wonderful wonderful product. Uh, it's a continental European style pills malt. Um, Grant, you hit it right on the head. It's it's under modified. Um, you know, beta glucans up in the one one thirty, one forty range, one fifty range. Um, you know, just giving the this really really nice uh, malt stream that that brewers are starting to use. It's picking up steam. Um, a lot of brewers have accepted it into their malt portfolios already. Um, it was just released a couple of months ago as well. So we're looking forward to it. Um, Flavor profile, um, table cracker, bready, doughy, um, hints of grass, grass-like notes. Um, I think one of the coolest things about this malt is because it's under-modified and it's got that beta-glucan hit and that viscous kind of a feel to it, um, it, it does provide great body um, and wonderful head retention. I can't can't say that enough. I think it's magnificent in that category. And uh, and and flavor profile wise, it's it's right on point. It's it's going to uh, it's going to surprise a lot of brewers. I think those that want to try it should get out there and try it. It's a it's a great great product with tight tight quality parameters. Um, 
that we intend uh, to to hold um, as long as we can. Um, and it's made from an import barley stream. Uh, so I think that's really important as well. Um, it's it ticks all the boxes, guys, and uh, I think people are going to be surprised. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, um, starting next season, um, we're going to do a a new segment on this show, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Abby co-host this episode with me today. We're going to call it "Ask Abby," and we're going to answer all of uh, all of uh, you know our listeners' burning questions, whether it's Instagram or emailed in. That sort of thing. Um, Abby, can you, you want to tell us a little bit about your plans for that? Yeah, definitely. I, in any avenue, if you have any questions about, you know, product, um, you know, what you want to see, you know, products that we have, new products that have come out, um, you know, even technical questions about our products, just sling them our way and I will do my best to answer them. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. So yeah, just email your questions to us at the brew deck at countrymalt.com and and Abby will be here to answer them. <laughs> so um, Tyler, Ben, I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about um, uh, the barley stream for 2023. I hope brewers um, you know, glean some useful information out um out of it and and uh yeah, just really love having you all on the show. It's nice to nice to connect and have Scotland and uh in the West Coast and Central and just all of us on together. It's been great. No, thanks for having us. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you in Nashville. Oh, can't wait. It's going down yeah. in Nashville. It'll be fun. That's going to be wild, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it always is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, till next time. See ya. Cheers. Before we wrap up this episode, we wanted to check in with our friends from the Pink Boot Society about the Pink Boots blend before pre-orders close at the end of the month. We are now joined by Natasha Piscar, president of the Pink Boots Society of Canada and the newest production supervisor at Canada Malting Company in Calgary. Welcome, Natasha. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. So I know you are not a stranger to our podcast. We have had you on before. We had you on earlier this year uh, for our Pink Boots episodes in March. Uh, but give us a little intro to your role with Pink Boots Society and your experience in the industry. Absolutely. So uh, in 2020, we started uh, forming the Canadian chapter of Pink Boots Society. And uh, I believe we were officially incorporated as a not-for-profit in late 2020 um, and have been serving our Canadian members ever since. So that's been really exciting. Um, I'm also the current sitting president, I believe, for another two years. Um, wow. So it's been an honor to, to lead our Canadian chapter. I've been in the uh, brewing and beer adjacent now industry for just over a decade. Um, I have roles or I've had roles spanning sales, um, food and beverage. I worked in a homebrew store and the past five years I've been in production focused roles and I've now moved over just a little upstream to uh, the raw ingredient sector. So I'm really excited about that. We are very excited to have you as part of our team. Um, so let's dive into talking about um, the Pink Booth blend this year. Tell me a little bit about it and like, tell me a little bit about how this is selected. Sure. The Pink Booth blend is actually a really fun process. Uh, we get 
um, essentially blend and like rub kits uh, sent to us by Yakima Chief Hops. And they include small packets of individual hop varieties. So for Canada, I think we had five or six kits sent up to us this year. And we had our members do hop rubs in the various regions across Canada. And I believe we chose our top five and sent those into national. And from there, national consolidated all the information from chapters all over the world. And they were able to narrow down varieties and do a live in-person hop rub at Great American Beer Festival this year. And from there, uh, a blend was chosen. And shall I go into the blend already? Or I into it. I think it's an amazing blend. I'm really excited to see what people come up with. I'm really excited. So there were three varieties chosen uh, for the blend this year. And I believe this is our sixth annual blend with Yakima Chiefs. So pretty rad. Uh, We have Laurel, Equinot, and HBC 586, which as a previous brewer, I'm just obsessed with that variety. It's an experimental variety and it's just super punchy and and uh, and bright. So really excited that that one made it in this year. Me too. A couple of things we kind of wanted to be able to touch on. How can non-brewers participate in the Pink Boots Brew? That's a great question. Yeah, I often even get questions. Um, you don't have to be a brewer to be a member of Pink Boots Society. So um, we cover not only uh, beer brewing, but other fermented beverage industries. And you can be in sales, you can be in front of house, back of house, uh, whatever role in um, the industry, you can be a member. And if you're not quite a member yet, we do have an aspiring member category as well. And that's a great way to get connected with a Pink Boots brew that might be happening um, in your region. Another way to see what's kind of going on in your region is uh, to navigate to uh, the Pink Boots Society website at pinkbootssociety.org. Go to the News and Events tab, click down on the Collaboration Brew Day, and there's actually a map of uh, this year's registered breweries there. And you can expand that map and and kind of narrow in on your uh, region. And there should be information about who might be leading the brew and you're more than welcome to reach out to those breweries and say hey would you mind having on an an extra member i know that when i was leading brews i would love to do that with the with newer aspiring members awesome and to get your brew on that map you have to make sure you register it that's correct yes that's that's a big deal. Um, we do have breweries who participate and support without registering. And while we super appreciate that, uh, registering is the official way to participate in Collaboration Brew Day every year. Um, and it also ensures uh, that you have the rights to use the logos and all of that good stuff. So uh, registration is also on that same page. So pinkbootsociety.org. Go to news and events, click on Pink Boots Collaboration Brew Day, and there's a register now button right at the top of the page there. That gets you on the map. Um, With our Canada chapter, we try and do social media shout outs there. Um, And then it also ensures uh, that you can make a donation back to our chapter, which helps fund educational opportunities for our members. 
That is amazing. Well, awesome, Natasha. Thank you so much for joining me today. I do just want to let everybody know we are coming down to the wire. Uh, Pre-order is almost done for the Pink Boots blend for the year. It ends uh, December 31st. So make sure you reach out to your sales rep and get your pre-order in. Thanks again, Natasha. We'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Abby, before we go, one question that we always ask our guests on, and in this case, our, our brand new co-host, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's in your beer fridge? What uh, what in, what adult beverage are you enjoying lately? Oh, man. Okay. Um, you know, as far as winter goes, I'm not the typical stout, dark beer drinker. Um, I like the occasional, you know, brown or um, doppelbox and, and things like that. But I I like to warm up in the winter with a good glass of whiskey or bourbon. Um, but if I had to say, you know, my beer fridge is usually just full of lagers. Right <laughs> um, I, the brewer in me just really likes a good domestic and, you know, having a, a Coors banquet or a green belt is awesome. Otherwise I, I try to find some really good lagers uh, from local breweries around town. Like pills or, or Hellas or. Yeah. Hellas yeah. is like my absolute favorite. Um, there's a Pilsner at one of my favorite breweries here in Minnesota. It's Arbiter Brewing. Um, it's called Ha Ha Pills and it's got this like great hop um, back, like a kind of a chew with it. It's not the really light Pilsner, but it's, it's, it's so good. And I always have it in my fridge. Pilsners with like interesting hops are, are awesome. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you know which one, like, is it like Saphir or is it just like classic, like Holler Tower or something? It's just a, yeah, just a classic. I'm not, I'm not sure the specific, but it's, it's a classic clean hop. So delicious. Right on. Thanks for listening to the episode. We are signing off for the holidays, but we'll be back mid January for the start of season four. Make sure you subscribe to the Brudeck podcast wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss it. In the meantime, go back and listen to old episodes. You won't regret it. Well, from all of us at the Brudeck podcast, happy holidays and happy new beer. We'll see you in 2023.